welcome to the 19th episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. My name is Molly, and today I have three questions. It's nearly Mother's Day, so here's a first quick topical question from Lara. Hi, I'm Lara. I'm four years old. And I... I was born in Singapore, and now I live in London. Which animals are the best mummy? Hi, Lara. What a lovely question. Well, there are lots of great mummies in the animal kingdom. Let me tell you about a few of my favourites. Well, orangutan mums are perhaps the most hardworking of mummies, apart from human mummies. They look after their babies by carrying them everywhere for the first four months and feeding them, and then they take care of them for another six to seven years, which isn't much compared to amazing human mums, but it is a long time in the animal world. In this time, the orangutan mums teach their little ones to find food, build nests to sleep in, and what to eat. Gorilla mums do the same. They share sleeping nests with their baby gorillas and teach them everything they need to know for years. This is why gorillas only have babies once every four to six years, usually in the wild. Polar bear mums raise their cubs on their own. When they're pregnant, they make a den to hibernate in winter and the cubs are usually born in that den. Then she feeds them herself for eight months all the way through the winter, not eating once herself in all that time until spring comes and she and her cubs come out into the world and then finally the dedicated new polar bear mum can eat some food herself and get her strength back to keep taking care of her babies. Elephant mums are really good mums too. They all work together in a group to look after the little ones and when a new calf comes along all the elephants slow down the pace and they walk so that the little baby one can keep up. All the mother elephants and female elephants teach the little elephant how to eat and live life as an elephant. Koala mummies are rather wonderful. The only thing that koalas can eat are eucalyptus leaves, which are actually poisonous. An adult koala has bacteria inside their bodies that helps them be able to eat the leaves, but babies don't have that. So what all koala mums do is first they feed their babies milk, but then they feed them a kind of liquefied poo filled with useful bacteria that will help their babies be able to digest eucalyptus leaves. This special poo that koala mummies make is called PAP, P-A-P. Koala babies are called joeys and when they're first born they make their way on their own into a pouch, a bit like a pocket, on their mum's bodies. It's in that pouch they drink their mum's milk and then their poo or pap. After a few months, when they're big enough, they crawl out and then go about on their mummy's backs for a while until they're strong enough to just go around on their own, sleeping and eating leaves thanks to their mum's special liquidy poo. Alligator mums carry their newly hatched babies around inside their jaws. This is to keep them safe until they can learn to defend themselves. Wolf spiders carry their baby spiders on their backs. An octopus mum is quite good. She lays 50,000 eggs at a time and for 40 days until they hatch, she stays really close to them to protect them. She won't even leave her eggs to eat food. And sometimes octopus mums end up eating their own limbs while keeping watch on their soon-to-be babies. There are lots of other wonderful mummies in the animal kingdom and, of course, lots of great dads. But we'll think about them on Father's Day. I hope that answers your question, Lara. Our next question is about paints. Perhaps you're going to paint a beautiful picture or card for someone special soon. Have you ever wondered where all those colours in the paints you use come from? You're about to find out. Over to Martha. 
Hello, Molly. My name is Martha, and I'm six. And I want to know what paint is made of. Hi, Martha. Thanks for your brilliant question. Well, to answer your question, I'm going to hand over to Isabel, who runs Little Grand Tour. She takes children on trips to art galleries in London and Italy and shows them all the best paintings. She has studied art and painting and knows lots of things about it, so we thought she'd be perfect to tell us all about paints. Over to Isabel. Thank you so much for your wonderful question. My name's Isabel and I'm going to tell you a bit about paint. There are lots of different types of paints used around us all the time in galleries, museums also, at home and school. Paint ingredients have changed a lot over time. Nowadays, it's made of pigments, which is the name for the colour used, and the binder, which is like a glue holding it all together. Some examples of this gluey binder are linseed oil for oil paint, gum arabic for watercolour, acrylic resin for acrylic paint, and egg yolk, which was used for an older style of paint called egg tempera. Gum arabic is made from acacia trees, mainly found in Africa. Linseed oil is from the flax plant, grown in Russia, but it was also around in ancient Egypt and across the Middle East. Egg yolk is the yellow bit inside an egg, and this was used a lot in Renaissance art to bind the pigments together. And acrylic resin, used more nowadays because it is made from chemicals and is very weather resistant, which is why it's so popular, although not as good for the environment. The colours or the pigments have been around since cavemen walked the earth. There are some colours which aren't used anymore and they're pretty interesting. I've made a list of my top favourites. Tyrian purple was made from the poo of sea snails or marine shellfish, but it was too expensive and took too long to produce, so this stopped. White lead was poisonous, although it had a very brilliant colour, and the artist called Vermeer loved using it in all his paintings. Lapis lazuli is the beautiful blue colour and it was even more expensive than gold. It was found in the 6th century in Afghanistan and the bright blue was often used for painting Mary's clothes and religious paintings. But again, it was too expensive to produce in large quantities as it was shipped from afar, though you can still buy it today. Dragon's blood. This sounds fun. It's red. This was thought to be the mixture of dragon and elephant blood after they fought each other in a battle, but it was actually the sap from a Southeast Asian tree. Mummy brown, loved by the pre-Raphaelites and made from grinding down Egyptian mummies and also mummies of cats. Then it was mixed with myrrh, but they stopped this too as they pretty quickly ran out of mummies. And lastly, shields green. This yellow-green was made from arsenic and was poisonous. Looking back, it's hard to believe it was also made into candles and children's toys. It also may have contributed to Napoleon's death, as his bedroom was painted in his favourite colour, a bright green. See if you can spot any of these colours in paintings when you next visit an art gallery. Thanks for listening. Bye! Thanks so much, Isabel. How fun is that that paints are made out of African trees, Russian plants, egg yolk, sea snail poo, precious stones, and back in the day, even poison? I hope that answers your question, Martha. I'm going to be doing a tour at the V&A Museum in South Kensington in London with Isabel and the Little Grand Tour on the 9th of April in the Easter holidays. If you'd like to come along and join Isabel and I to learn about Leonardo da Vinci's notebooks, Michelangelo's enormous sculpture of David, and a life-size tiger, 
biting the head off a British soldier, do check out the website www.littlegrandtour.co.uk and click on tours. Then you can book a place for yourself and a friend. We'll also do some fun drawing in the cafe. There are only a few places left though, so be quick. Do remember that if you have a question you would like answered on everything under the sun, just ask an adult to record you asking me on their smartphone and email it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. Our last question comes from Chloe and it's also about colour. Over to Chloe. Hello, my name is Chloe and I live in Durban and... I'm four years old, and my question is, why tortoises green and brown? Hi, Chloe. Well, thanks for your great question. I love tortoises. I really wanted one as a pet, but you can't buy them anymore. But I do have some friends that have one, and I love going to see it. Tortoises move really slowly, about one mile an hour. So anything that wants to eat them can catch them really quite quickly. This means they really need to come up with clever ways to protect themselves. And they do that by having brown and green bodies and shells that match the leaves, trees and rocks around them. This means that creatures that would try to gobble them up have less chance of seeing them in the first place. This very clever system is called camouflage and lots of animals do it. They do it by having fur, skin or shells that blend in with the world they live in. Humans have copied this and people who are out in places where they don't want to be seen, like fighting in the army or out on safari looking for animals, wear green and brown, yellow and even black camouflage clothes so they can't be seen. As well as having green and brown bodies and shells to hide themselves carefully away, tortoises have other ways to protect themselves. They of course have a hard shell they can hide inside, as well as a shell underneath them to protect their tummies. They also have a bit of shell under their chins that the males use to fight. One male can flip over another tortoise onto its back using these shells under their chin. They've got really tough claws and can dig burrows to hide and keep warm or cool if it's really cold. And they also have a sharp mouth which they can snap shut if they're being attacked while buried inside their burrows with their heads sticking out. Their brown patterned shells make sure they blend in with the earth when they're hiding in a shallow burrow. I hope that answers your question, Chloe. Do you know the difference between a turtle and a tortoise? All tortoises are, in fact, turtles. They're in the same group that contains turtles, tortoises and terrapins, about 200 different varieties. However, not all turtles are tortoises. The main thing that's different about tortoises is that they only live on the land. They live all over the place from deserts to wet tropical forests, but they don't go in the water much other than they drink it and sometimes have a wash in it. However, some turtles do live on land, others live between the land and the water, and other turtles only live in the water. Sea turtles just live in the sea. One way to tell a tortoise apart from a turtle just by looking at their bodies is to look at their feet. Tortoises' feet look like tiny elephant feet good for getting around on the land. Turtles mostly have webbed feet and only sea turtles have flippers because they only live in the sea. A group of tortoises is called a creep, but you won't often spot a group of tortoises. Mostly they live on their own. Mummy tortoises look after their eggs, but they don't look after their babies at all once they hatch. So tortoise babies have to take care of themselves. They definitely won't win the best mummy award this week. That prize probably goes to the orangutan or gorilla. Is your mummy or daddy amazing? How about your auntie, your golf mum or grandma? If they are, tell me why and send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk and we can hear all about the amazing people who take care of their babies better than tortoises do on next week's show. 
Last week, I asked you to send in your impressions of someone who has just scored a goal. To win a copy of Alex Bellos's book that explains the world through football, here is our favourite entry. My name is Tommy. I'm half Italian. And when I score a goal, I say, Golazzo! Congratulations, Tommy! A copy of Football School Season 1 is on its way to you now. I hope you love it! Remember, if you have a question you would like answered, just ask an adult to record you asking me on their smartphone and email it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. A huge thank you to Isabel from The Little Grand Tour for telling us all about paints. Don't forget to book a place if you want to join us at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London and to Alex Bellos for a copy of his book. Huge thank you to Lara, Martha and Chloe for this week's excellent questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. If you and your family enjoy this podcast, please do subscribe, rate it and give it a lovely review. It really does help. You just have to go to your Apple Podcasts app on your phone or go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and write a little review. I'll be back next week answering more questions from children around the world in another episode of Everything Under the Sun. Do send in your questions. There's info about how to do that on the website everythingunderthesun.co.uk. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.